London. The streets are a bustle with horse-drawn carriages and wagons. As traders cry their wares, rich folk and humble pick their way across the teeming thoroughfares, and the crossing sweepers are hard at work scooping up behind the more nervous pedestrians. For this is the London of yesteryear, of Queen Victoria, the London of Charles Dickens. As usual, it is Christmas. The spirit of goodwill is in the air, and in Portland Place, the crowds marvel at a public display of sound effects. But come away, dear listener, away from the cheery lights and merry throng, away to this dismal street, where we find a gloomy shop front identified in grimy lettering as the Music Emporium. Although it is Christmas, the establishment shows no sign of festivity, and within its dank interior, sitting, muttering to himself at his miserable desk, we find the proprietor. None other than Ebenezer Scrumpf. Christmas? Don't talk to me about Christmas. Yes, I, I wasn't talking to you. If you're not going to buy anything, get out of the shop. Never had this trouble with Harry Potter. Um, anyway. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> One dusty corner of the premises is labelled Piano Department. And at the piano sits Scrump's penniless clerk, Colin Crotchet. <laughs> Dressed in shabby clothes and thin as a rake, Colin is very poor. So you've heard him play. <laughs> Can I have the rest of the day off, please, Mr Scrump? What? Colin was too poor even to have his own microphone. <laughs> Rest of the day off? No. But you can take a short break. Oh, thank you. Right, back to work. <laughs> we have business to do. Look, customers. Hello, Scrump. Nice to see you, Scrump. Hello. Oh, it's Tim, Barry and Graham. I didn't expect the three wittiest men in all London. And how right I was. <laughs> what do you want? We are set upon purchasing some music we can play. Then let me direct you to Mr Crotchet. Incidentally, it may interest you to know that Colin has recently returned from a tour of Mexico where everyone was talking about his sheet music. <laughs> Tell me, Scrump, do you have a wide selection of popular melodies? <laughs> yes, but uh, here at the Emporium we only specialise in cheap music. So, customers, I'd like you to come up with the titles of cut-price versions of songs that might appeal to a penny-pinching old... <laughs> old misery guts like myself. <laughs> Customer Tim, will you start, please? Would you possibly have a copy of Tea for One by Miser Linelli? <laughs> you have come and look at the window box, Maud. <laughs> or I just called to say you owe me. <laughs> Or, I dreamt I dwelt in Marble Arch. <laughs> By chance, do you have a seven and six trombone? <laughs> or, my old man said cancel the van. <laughs> Swing low, sweet caricot. <laughs> How much is that doggy in the skip? <laughs> what luck. I don't have any of them. But before you go, was it you lot who spilt a gallon of black paint just outside the shop entrance? A gallon of black paint? Oh, outside the shop? Oh, dear, oh, yes, uh, it was. I'm so yes, sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. Well, be off with you. And never darken my doorstep again. <laughs> How are we going? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ah, peace at last. Merry Christmas. 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 Merry
Oh, what fresh hell is this? <laughs> carol singers, Scruff. Carol singers? And am I to suppose you're going to accompany them? I am. Oh, well, all right. As long as they don't sound Christmassy. Tell them they'll have to sing the words of one carol to the tune of something else. <laughs> Let's try the words of Silent Night to the tune of Tequila. died away, Scrump stood for a moment with a contented smile upon his face, then took out the earplugs. <laughs> Season's greetings to you, Uncle Scrump. The unexpected visitor was Scrump's nephew, Fred, a tall, jolly-faced, ebullient young man in jovial mood. Fred had a prosperous look about him, having made his fortune from the sales of his travel book, Around Iceland in a Fridge. <laughs> What do you want, nephew? I've come to invite you to join the family for our Christmas jollifications. Can't think of anything worse. Yes, I can. Swanee kazoo. <laughs> Come now, Uncle, you'll enjoy it. This year we're having a grand Christmas ball at the city's trendiest nightclub, the Bar Humbug. Bar Humbug? Christmas. <laughs> the party wouldn't be the same without you, Uncle Scrumpf. Is it true that you keep a trumpet locked away in a cupboard which you never, ever play in public? Yes. Good. <laughs> in that case, you'd be more than welcome. And I can promise you a goose. Tempting. But my housemaid, Samantha, takes care of that sort of thing. The lovely Samantha. Where is the little temptress? She's just popped out to get the price of a meal in exchange for a fiddle. <laughs> then as soon as she gets back, she's promised Colin to polish his upright. Busy girl. Yes, and on a Thursday she works the strand as an organ grinder. Yes, but we get the picture. Why not bring her with you to the party? I'm not coming to your party. Christmas, I hate Christmas and everything about it. Be off with you. You too, crotchet. I'm going to bed in disgust. Surely not. You haven't seen the bed. <laughs> and so, in a foul mood, Scrumpf made his way upstairs to his frugal chamber, where he soon found himself between the sheets. Ah, there I am. <laughs> but sleep, like laughs, would not come easily that night. <laughs> and as the clock began to strike midnight, he sensed a presence in the room. Samantha? <laughs> I've told you before not to bring them home. But he was mistaken, for it was not the delightful Samantha. Oh, no. Looming out of the darkness appeared the figure of a man whose funeral garments and ghastly face were only too familiar to Scrumpf. It was the figure of his deceased partner, the late Jacob Marley. Oh... Oh, oh, up, up, a loop, I'm a long bamboo. Good golly, it's Molly. <laughs> yes, it is I, your late partner. 
in life even more grasping and miserable than yourself. But now in this afterlife I must pay the price. Ooh! I have come back to warn you, Ebenezer Scrumph, and what you shall hear will curdle your blood and chill the marrow in your bones. You're not going to sing, are you? Yes, I am. <laughs> in that case, I'd like you to sing along with some well-known songs in the game known as Pick Up Phonograph. My housemaid, Samantha, went along to the wax cylinder lending library earlier to see the kindly old archivists who haven't been too well of late. Their lungs are becoming affected by the notorious London pea supers and they were worried their panting and coughing might rankle with Samantha. However, she assured them there's no problem. She says she'll let them know if sitting there with the noise of coughs and pants around her wrinkles. <laughs> you should sing along Marley until at my signal Samantha turns the volume down to nothing. If on its return you're within a midges minimum of the original, I'll be awarding points. And points mean prizes. What does moronic bellowing mean? <laughs> This week's prize is sure to delight every veteran of the Crimean campaign who's keen to upgrade his soft furnishings. It's this stylish balaclava pelmet. <laughs> Your song, Marley, is Gilbert and Sullivan's latest chart topper, A Wandering Minstrel Eye. And as a special treat, I'd like the narrator to join in the loud bits. <laughs> Off you go. Of ballad songs and snatches And dreamy lullaby My catalogue is long To every passion ranging And to your humours changing I tune my supple song I tune my song Well, that doesn't frighten me. <laughs> Ebenezer Scrum, you will be visited this night by three phantoms. The ghosts will warn you to mend your ways, or else you will end up like me. With that, Jacob Marley faded from sight amidst a frightful rattling of chains, doomed forever to roam the land as a travelling accessory sales executive for Armitage Shanks. <laughs> but still sleep would not come. Scrump tossed and turned, and a lovely salad it was too, but he had no appetite. Then, as the clock struck five past midnight... Another visitor appeared at his bedside. Ho, ho, ho! Towering over the bed stood a merry, red-nosed fellow in a fur-trimmed robe with a wreath of holly about his brow and a traffic cone perched amusingly on his head. Ho, ho, ho! I am the ghost of Christmas Pissed. You mean Christmas Past? Oh, yes, Christmas Past. Easy mistake when you're pissed. What do you want, spirit? If you've got any, I'd prefer lager, but... First, I have something to show you. Behold! With that... The ghostly visitor conjured a scene before the miser's astounded eyes. Observe. A well-appointed drawing room, and on the hearth rug, why, it is the infant Ebenezer. A bonny lad in a velvet sailor suit. And there's his lovely young mother, regarding her offspring with a slightly worried look in her eye. Oh, infant Ebenezer, I wonder what you'll be when you're quite grown up. I shall make you proud, Mother dear. 
Listen to this. How clever. I think it's time we bought you a trumpet. A trumpet for Christmas? Oh, no, we have a special gift in store for you. For Christmas, we are sending you away to school at Eton. Eton? Oh, Mother, will I be bullied? In that velvet sailor suit, I'll put money on it. <laughs> but never mind. Look who has written to wish you luck. Oh, Mama. Oh, hello, they dropped. <laughs> oh, Mama, a letter. <laughs> has flooded in from a Mrs. Trellis of North Wales. <laughs> Dear Sherlock, here's a mystery for you. Why do you wear such a bloody stupid hat? <laughs> I remain your obedient servant, Mrs. Trellis. The years fly past in a twinkling, and now we see the lad at Eton College. It was here that Ebenezer Scrumpf made school history when, during a game of football, instead of kicking the ball, the new boy picked it up, leapt onto a broomstick, shot into the air, <laughs> hooped the quaffle, and, to the dismay of the Slytherins, actually caught the golden snitch. <laughs> then... Sadly, he then sold the franchise to J.K. Rowling for a pittance... <laughs> Not that I'm complaining. Nevertheless, <laughs> his school career went from strength to strength. Dear Mrs. Trellis, <laughs> you'll be pleased to hear I'm now a god in pop, though yesterday I got a rip for failing to tip the beak and I caught a fag eating my sock on mess pots. P.S. I failed my English language exam again. <laughs> P.P.S. I wish I could get rid of this itch. <laughs> and so your school days fade away. See yourself now, Scrumph, a young man in your first employment, working at the Top Hat Warehouse in Wapping for Mr. and Mrs. Toxiwig. Why, this is the Christmas party they laid on for all us young apprentices. And see there, Mrs. Toxywig herself. Welcome, one and all. Now, before the dancing and the games begin, who wants a punch? Yes, a... <laughs> yes, a violent woman, but kind. Please tuck into the festive spread. There's goose and turkey and pies and pheasant, venison, grouse, partridge and boiled ham and mutton and beef and some pork chops for the vegetarians. <laughs> Dear lady, can I tempt you to a monster month? Oh, whoa. Is it... Is it Mr Dickens? It is. <gasps> Mr Dickens? It is. Mr Charles Dickens? It is. Mr Charles Dickens? It is. Oh, I'm struck all of a flustered part of me while I throw my apron over my face and rush from the room in hysterics. Oh, sir! <laughs> oh, whips and scorpions! I'm as dumbled as a mouse in a whirly gig! All oh, puppies at ninepence! Oh, yeah. Dear God, and they ask me where I get my ideas from. <laughs> yes. Remember this party well, Ebenezer Scrumph, for it is here that you meet and fall in love with your future fiance, the Toxywig's daughter, Belle. It is a whirlwind romance. I love you, Belle. I love you too, Scrumph. That's all right then. <laughs> and what a couple you make. Belle as pretty a picture of virtue and innocence as one might ever hope to see. <laughs> And you, young scrumph, the pinnacle of elegance. From your stovepipe hat to your drainpipe trousers, a credit to your ironmonger. <laughs> but, ah, uh, those happy days were not to last. Oh. Now the ghost takes the fearful miser by the hand to confront him with the vision of the day it all went wrong. See, 
We are at the newly built Albert Hall, and on this day, the crowds are gathered for the Christmas finals of the British Empire Mornington Crescent Tournament. The occasion is graced by the presence of Her Majesty Queen Victoria herself and her consort, Prince Albert. Look, it's Victoria and Albert. Oh, us! Stop staring at us! What a pair of old relics! We are not a museum! (laughs) What an old dear! We are not a moose! Oh, but that dress, it makes her look like a small street with stables in it. (laughs) We are not a muse! As always, the Queen is accompanied by her faithful gilly, John Brown, and his brother, Gordon. (laughs) You'll have paid your VAT. introduce the grand final to be played out between the reigning Mornington Crescent champion, Mr. Ebenezer Scrumpf, and my own, my very own, Prince Albert. Got in Himmel, Victoria. Not on chance I am standing. You can do it, Albert, but only if you win. Oh, my darling, push! On with the game. Well, we play if we must. But I have to insist. Prince Albert rules. No, he bloody doesn't. <laughs> In deference to His Royal Highness, we shall play according to the saxe coburg Gotha protocol. All German-related locations count double, but Poland Street is out of bounds. <laughs> For the time being. for starters. A woman of habit. (laughs) Here we go. You will call Mr. Scrumpf Tails or Me? (laughs) Me. No, it's me. Albert, commence. Hanover Square. (laughs) Hanover Square. Cheapside. You are new to this game, I think, yeah? <laughs> so tell so good they named it twice? Baden Baden. Bushy. <laughs> <laughs> Elephant und Castle. Aha. More. Yes. More. Morning. Made of ale. Good, Albert, finish him off. Morning to Crescent. (laughs) Dear listener, pity poor Scrumpf. Miserable, dejected, suffering who knows what torments. He vows never to play Mornington Crescent in public again. Yes, he proclaims that from now on he will only officiate as chairman in non-league games. (laughs) Everybody is stunned. I'm stunned. So is everybody else. (laughs) Told you. And that isn't the worst of it, for here is his pretty little fiancée, the delightful Belle, who comes to him with a heavy heart. I see you've been to the butchers. <laughs> yes, I got you this heart for your tea, but scrump, after that display, you must know that I no longer love you. Goodbye. What a shame. I'll never eat all this on my own. (laughs) With that, the vision fades. 
Back in his bedroom, Scrump recalls how bitterly hurt and publicly humiliated he vowed that from that day forth he would be miserable, grasping, and mean. <laughs> but Scrump's torment is not at an end. Not another one. <laughs> the eerie sound comes from within an old stocking that hangs by the fireplace. <laughs> Who are you? And what are you doing in that stocking? <laughs> and why are you wrapped in coloured paper tied up with a ribbon? I am the ghost of Christmas presents. <laughs> Yes, they say the old ones are the best. <laughs> and as usual, they're wrong. Time for another visitation, and it's my turn to whisk you off. <laughs> Samantha shall hear of this. Behold! We are walking in the air. Don't sing. Now you shall see how all over the world, even the poorest, humblest folk, are celebrating the joys of Yuletide. In the dining hall of the grim orphanage, a stern-faced beadle watches the approach of a plucky little waif. Uh, you've met the waif? <laughs> what do you want, boy? Please, sir, I want some more. More? More? Yes, please. Right, one jumbo turkey burger with cranberry relish and extra gherkin. <laughs> Do you want fries with that? No, sir, for I am on the Atkins diet. <laughs> oh, poor little mite. Not long for this world. shotgun and good taste. But, but look down there. In a storm-tossed sea, Scrumpf is shown the pranksome merrymaking of a pair of humble lighthouse keepers. Merry Christmas, lighthouse keeper Jack. Merry Christmas, lighthouse keeper Hannibal. What's for dinner? <laughs> Something with Chianti and fava beans. My arse. Exactly. <laughs> What miserable place are you showing me now? Ebenezer Scrumpf, before you was the household of your clerk, Colin Crotchet. A poor hovel, but a happy one. Look, there is Mrs. Crotchet, up to her elbows in the wash tub, wearily engaged in the endless chore of scrubbing her forearms. <laughs> and at the table, see, there sits the Crotchet's son, Big Tim. Here, Mum, I'm starving, I am. When's Dad getting home with the Christmas whittles? Have patience, Big Tim. Papa will be home directly. Good evening, one and all. Oh, it's you, medium-sized Tim. <laughs> I hope you're not as hungry as your brother. Gracious, Mama, my appetite is of a dimension so disproportionately gargantuan that I could willingly consume in its entirety a specimen of the species Equus domesticus. <laughs> <laughs> Thinks. I hope my husband never finds out about me and that encyclopedia salesman. <laughs> now come along, boys. Wash your filthy hands in the bowl. Then I can boil the water up for soup. Hello, dear family. Mr. Crotchet, home at last. See, I have laid out your pipe and slippers and microphone. Thank you, dear. <laughs> Hello, Dad. Hello, Peter. Hello, boys. But where is Tiny Tim? He's around somewhere, but he's so tiny we can never find him. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Anybody? No. No. Oh, sure. I'll find him. I'm over here. 
here he is, sitting in this egg cup. <laughs> Nearly finished. There. A flushing egg cup? Have you been wasting our money on the innovations catalogue again? Bless you, no. It was a free gift with that last lot of encyclopedias. <laughs> Mother, father, has anybody seen my crutch? We've all seen it, dear. Why do you think we call you Tiny Tim? Do yourself up, boy. Now, Mr Crutchet, has Mr Scrumpf given you a handsome Christmas bonus so that your family may enjoy a seasonal feast? No, not a bean, not a sausage. What about a turkey? Oh, yes, he gave me a turkey. <laughs> but it was so small, it fell out through a hole in my pocket. Why, the devilish old skinflint, he condemns us to yet another miserable yuletide of poverty and hunger. Don't despair, dear family. I'm always here to cheer you up. I say, I say, why do demons and ghouls get on so well together? Why? Because demons are a ghoul's best friend. <laughs> what do you call a ghost's mother and father? Go on, Ed. Transparents. <laughs> what, what kind of monster can sit on your fingertip? A bogeyman. See how the little mite overexerts himself to raise the spirits of his family. Tell me, ghost, will Tiny Tim die? With that material, it's a racing certainty. <laughs> what an unfortunate family. I could weep if I wasn't smiling so broadly. Yes, yes, poverty is a great source of evil, as you shall see from these two allegorical figures. With that... The spirit revealed two dreadful children, eyes staring from hollow sockets, thin, sharp, bony fingers grasping, and all the time a hideous mewling issuing from their thin lips. This child is named Want, and the other one is Deck. <laughs> The horror. Want and Deck are always with us. <laughs> Once again, the clock strikes five past midnight. <laughs> the ghosts of Christmas past and Christmas present have come and gone. But now, another spectre appears. The cowled figure stands motionless and in silence. Hold on, I'm getting the hang of this. Speak, Phantom. Tell me who you are. I am the ghost of Queen Boudicca. <laughs> Wait a minute. What happened to the ghost of Christmas yet to come? He was delayed due to unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> but it's an easy gig, so I sodded that for him. After all, it is Christmas. Christmas? Bah humbug. Bah humbug. You know, you sound remarkably like Queen Victoria. <laughs> Two for the price of one. I'm on special offer. Now let's get down to business. No, please yourself, you regret it. Ebenezer Scrumpf. <laughs> Behold the bleak future. Why, it's my old music shop. Even more run-down and dismal than before. Because next door is a bright new music shop. I say, Barry, our bright new music shop is doing a roaring trade and no mistake. I agree, Tony. Business is booming. See how the customers flock to your rivals. Boozy and Hawks. <laughs> I shall be ruined. Look upon the horrors that lie ahead if you turn your back upon society and neglect to mend your ways. What is that infernal contraption? This is called a wireless set. I turn this knob. No, this knob. And what misery ensues? 
And now on BBC Radio 4, it's I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. And here's your chairman, Nicholas Parsons. And there's worse. There's the extended version of quote-unquote and rolling 24-hour you and yours. And there's even worse than that. Where are we now? What is this grim and forbidding building? Is it the fleet prison? No, it is the BBC. And inside, the governors are planning their schedules. Perhaps you'd like to help. Good idea. Right, governors. Can we have your suggestions, please, for a Victorian Radio Times? There's a saucy late-night one here on Channel 4. V. Oscar Wilde. (laughs) And we have Ibiza covered. I'm a British shoulder in the black hole of Calcutta. Get me out of here. (laughs) Can't cook, don't have to cook. Cook will cook. (laughs) Buffy the Empire Slayer. (laughs) And on Channel 5, hilarious video clips of explorers in You've Been Found. We have Ali G in the workhouse. Um, <laughs> followed by, uh, it's only TB, but I like it. Crimea watch. <laughs> Vile excrescences of the human pudenda and the city. EastEnders, in tonight's episode, Jack the Ripper wants a word with Phil Mitchell. Have I got Zulus for you? And on Radio 4, gardeners and other servants question time. (laughs) The New Things Roadshow. Right, that's enough of that. Why are you showing me the crotchet's home spirit? Oh, Scrumph, see how the crotchet family sit in silent sadness. See the empty chair, the little crotch leaning by the fireplace. And tiny Tim is nowhere to be seen. Oh, that's better. (laughs) I'm getting worried about you, tiny Tim. You're beginning to sound like Queen Boudicca. (laughs) Hello, family. Oh, Colin, did you open the front door yourself? What a clever pianist you are. You normally can't find the key and never know where to come in. I'll have you know, my Rachmaninoff recital went incredibly well last night. I always said your music had magical powers. Remember the time you made that blind man deaf? Yes. At last, I'm getting the recognition I deserve. This is terrible. (laughs) Never mind, it's nearly over. Oh, it's Jacob Marley and the Whalers. (laughs) Ebenezer Scrumpf, I hope you have learnt your lesson. Never mix the grain with the grape, unless you're making muesli. It is the morning of the following day, and what a bright, cold, cheery morning it is, too. It looks like snow. It's white, and it falls from the sky to sink. Do you know, I think it is snow. (laughs) Ebenezer Scrumpf wakes in an unusually merry mood. He calls out to a passing urchin. The streets are full of them, following the flood at the Baker Street Aquarium. (laughs) You there, what day is this? I don't know. Damn. You just can't trust these fruits de mer. I know those passers-by all have newspapers. They'll know the date, and I can also catch up with the news. Passers-by, I'd like you to come up with some typical headlines from our national newspapers commemorating the events of Victorian times. Guardian. Goldstone becomes Prime Minister. The Sun. Jim Davidson to entertain troops in Crimea. 
Light Brigade volunteer for Valley of Death. <laughs> the sport. Lady Windermere opens, 100% genuine photos. <laughs> Daily Mail. Mrs Beaton quits lucrative cooking gig to run Norwich City. <laughs> The Sun, CR Page 3 Stunner, what a pair of ankles. Mirror, Arriva Trains apologise for delayed Stevenson's rocket. This is due to the wrong kind of Lord Huskisson on the track. Daily Mail, poison Zulu spears can be launched within 45 minutes. <laughs> Manufacturer recalls thousands of penny-farthing bicycles after one wheel found to be ludicrously bigger than the other. <laughs> I can't think how we missed it, says quality control manager. Nothing in the papers, then. But there is one thing I still need to know. What day is this? At that, Scrumpf claps his hands with glee and calls down to a passing boy. You there, run to the butchers and buy me the biggest, plumpest, finest goose in the shop. Here are two golden guineas. Right, oh, Gov. He's off like the wind, down the road, into the high street, past the butchers and is never seen again. Undaunted, Scrumpf races downstairs and makes his way to Isambard Kingdom Brunel's novelty shop. Izzy Brunel at your service. How may I help you, sir? Good morning. I'm Ebenezer Scrumpf, a reformed character. I wish to buy a wide range of gifts. My staff will be happy to assist you just as soon as you've got dressed. <laughs> oh, I seem to have come out in my nightgown. <laughs> yeah, they do have a habit of popping open. Not to worry, it's Christmas. So, staff, it's time to examine items that might feature in Mr Isambod Kingdom Brunel's Innovations Catalogue. Uh, gentlemen, surprise your good lady with this amusing novelty ring. By kind permission of the inventor, His Royal Highness Prince Albert. <laughs> Actual size may vary. <laughs> For the busy man about town, the combined top hat and travelling commode... rotary nose-hair clipper, the sailing ship that follows a circular route bringing nose-hair from the colonies to the Lancashire weaving mills. The season's new game, Tomb Raider, consists of a torch and a crowbar. Ladies, are your lap dogs always the wrong size? Why not treat yourself to a set of these adjustable spaniels? <laughs> New from the world of clockwork, the wind-up DVD player. Simply insert key and wait 150 years for the goodies DVD. <laughs> but while Scrumpf gleefully makes his purchases not far away, at the home of the Crotchets, Colin and his family sit around their pathetic Christmas spread. Shall I carve? Why bother? It's only a sardine. <laughs> Oh, Mr Crotchet, the shame of it. A single solitary sardine for Christmas dinner. Look on the bright side, dear. No arguments about who gets a leg. Oh, what does it matter as long as we're all together? And you can shut your face. <laughs> it's May I come in? I knew it would be you. <laughs> It's Mr. Scrump, and his arms are laden with gifts. Yes, I simply had to come round to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. What? Come and sit you down. I'll move these encyclopedias. <laughs> What's this, a sardine? Delicious. Well, I must be on my way. I have these... <laughs> 
I have these presents to deliver and a Christmas ball to go to. Goodbye. Bastard! <laughs> and wonder of wonders, we now see the old tight fist Ebenezer Scrumpf kicking up his heels and having a high old time at his nephew Fred's grand Christmas ball at that trendiest of night spots, the Bar Humbug. And what a party it is. The men trying on each other's top hats and the women comparing their Miriam Margulies impressions. Great party, Fred. Glad to see you having fun, Uncle. What's this? Is your lovely housemaid, Samantha, not with you? No, sadly, Samantha is suffering from housemaid's knee in both legs. I'm sorry to hear it. No, it's all right. Knees apart, she can't be faulted. So I believe, but I'm, uh, I'm forgetting I've invited a surprise guest to join us. Hello, Scrumpf. This is Belle, the beautiful fiancée who once jilted you. I have a gift for you, Ebenezer. Oh, thank you. It's lovely. I shall wear it always. It's a pencil box. <laughs> oh, Belle, why did I let you go? What a fool I was in those days. Will you marry me? No. How about me, then? No, thanks. I'll marry you, Fred Result What care I as long as everyone's happy And still the guests arrive Who are all these people? Will somebody kindly introduce me to all these late arrivals At the Victorian Christmas ball? Nephew Fred, will you start, please? Please welcome Mr and Mrs Nage of Steam And their daughter, Golda Nage of Steam (laughs) Mr and Mrs Wilde And their flamboyant son, Marty. <laughs> Will you welcome, please, Mr. and Mrs. of the Durbervilles and their daughter, Shirley. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. She has with John Brown and their daughter, Bet. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. You poo out the window and their son, Chuck, you poo out the window. <laughs> From Ireland, Mr. and Mrs. O'Prussian War, 1870 to 71, and their son, Frank O'Prussian War, 1870 to 71. Mr. and Mrs. Calcutta and their son, Black Olaf Calcutta. (laughs) Mrs. That Boy Up the Chimney, Would You and Her Father Pop? Mr. and Mrs. Glow Egyptian War, 1882, <laughs> and their daughter Anne Glow Egyptian War, 1882. And will you welcome Mrs. Bennett? I cannot believe our daughter is to marry Mr. Darcy. <laughs> and her husband, Mr. Bennett, I cannot believe. <laughs> and finally, Will you welcome Mr. and Mrs. Colin Crutchett and family? Not very witty, but it moves the plot along. What are they doing here? I sent them an invitation. You see, I've seen the future, and it's the wireless. I've devised something called a panel game, and you're all to take part. There are your microphones, and while you take your places, I'll play this wax cylinder. I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. A panel game. At the piano is Colin Crutchett, and your chairman is Ebenezer Scrumpf. Hello, and you join us today at the Bar Humbug in picturesque Clerkenwell. (laughs) Clerkenwell has a very interesting history, but there's no time for that now. Here beside me, recovered from her recent indisposition, is my assistant, Samantha, a fine young lady and a model of propriety. At the piano, we're lucky to have that genius of the keyboard, my good chum, Colin Crotchet. Of course, no panel game is complete without a collection of the cleverest and most amusing people in the land. And here they are. Now let's play some entertaining games. What larks. I'm looking forward to this hugely. This isn't going to work. No. No, 
Harry's being nice. Where's the fun in that? We don't like this new nice scrumpf. But there's nothing that will turn me back into the bad-tempered old curmudgeon you once knew. Yes, there is. Let's have a round of Swanee Kazoo. <laughs> Actually, you've just hit on the one thing that will do it. In fact, nothing would give me greater pain than to sit through a rendition of White Christmas featuring Tim and Graham on the Swanee Whistle and everyone else on the kazoo. And I'll play the piano. Well, burst my shirt and paint me green. <laughs> Let's do it! Ladies and gentlemen, as the nuts of time roast gently before the fireplace of eternity and the plump bird of fate receives the stuffing of a lifetime. I notice it's the end of the show, so from the players, Samantha and the fine folk of old London town, it's goodbye. Sorry I Happened to Christmas Carol was narrated by Stephen Fry and starred Humphrey Littleton as Ebenezer Scrump, Colin Sell as his assistant Crotchet, Barry Cryer, Graham Garden, Tim Brooke Taylor and Jeremy Hardy as the ghosts, Tony Hawkes as Fred, Sammy Toxvig as Mrs Toxiewig, Linda Smith as Mrs Crotchet and Andy Hamilton as Prince Albert. Other parts were played by members of the cast. The programme was written by Graham Garden and Ian Pattinson with contributions from the cast. The music was performed by Humphrey Littleton, Adrian McIntosh, Nick Hutton and Colin Sam at the piano. The producer was John Naismith. 